I suppose it is, but you know. <clears throat> that's the theory. I prefer to think that I'm the one that's influenced him, not the other way around. Maybe you're wrong. <laughs> but I prefer to think. Okay, whatever floats your boat. We do enjoy a lot of the same things, though, honestly. We're both big Doctor Who fans, and, um, and, uh, and <laughs> other sci-fi ridiculousness, Star Wars, and geekiness. We're both nerds, basically, I mean, so, at some root level. Alright, why don't we pray? to cleanse the spiritual palate here. Abba, I thank you for this morning and I thank you for this group. And Lord, I ask your presence to be in this room. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak loudly. Open up your word to us. Lord, I pray for far more. I, I don't ask for head knowledge. I ask for revelation. Lord, I ask for you to impute to us the emotional reality of these things, which are true. On a level, even above our own existence, these things exist because they exist in your heart. And God, I ask that the, the, the profound nature of the, of the realities that we are going to talk about today would be planted in our hearts in such a way that it would shift the way that we think and the way that we feel and the way that we speak and the way that we act. But we don't need any more facts. We need supernatural revelation of the truth to impact us at the deepest levels. And I ask for that this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I've wrestled with this a little bit because, as you know, we are behind. We didn't even get to touch chapter 6 last week. And chapter 6 is really foundational to the whole rest of the book. So we have to spend, we will probably spend the entire day today on chapter 6. There are chapters later on in Romans that are going to be easier to do quickly. So we may end up doing, I still want to do it all within the allotted time that we have, um, if we possibly can. Uh, but uh, we're going to, 6, 7, and 8, and maybe even 9 really deserve an entire session because they're so dense. There's so much in there that that if I don't, spend real time on it, it'll be, I won't have served you well, so I'm going to do that. I, I wore this shirt in honor of you guys today. Oh, yes. Yay! <clears throat> we didn't wear our shirts. It's alright. That's from Indiana Camp. Yes, it's from Indiana Camp. So, you weren't there anyway, but, but it's okay. Are we all here? Torres no. and Sophia are on a mission. On a mission. On a mission, okay. Oh, that reminds me. Nightmare. You guys are going to be helping us out with that tonight, right? Yes. Um, I will have assignments for all of you 
tonight um, when I have a better idea of which of my leader team is going to be here. Um, but several of you will be helping Kyle and Wyatt to set up and tear down all of the... Like every 15 or 20 minutes we're going to be doing a, a big thing that kind of is for the attention of everyone. We have small things going on, or small things. We have games that are going to be going on the whole time. We have a photo booth that's going to be going on the whole time. Nice. Food is going to be going on the whole time. But then we're going to have large crab things. Um, there's four of them through the night, and, and we'll need help to get things off and on stage and just make all that happen. And so I'm going to give at least four of you to Kyle and Wyatt to help make that um, but I might put some of you on registration, and I might put some of you on one of the smaller games, and whatever. Do you know about like the time scale? Like, um, we usually get out of class at five. Are we gonna be doing stuff before then or after then? No, you don't need to do anything before then. It it begins at six thirty. Um, I probably won't even need you until like six. Um, Mini Masters is canceled today, so you guys won't be doing that. Um, I, but if, and if this changes, I'll say something to Sophie or Nate, but I shouldn't need you before 6 o'clock, I don't think. So if you can meet us in the gym around 6, then we can hand out assignments at that time and we'll be good to go. Tonight's going to be good. I really think it is. The only thing um, that I don't know is how many visitors will come. So, you know, and that really depends on how much inviting the kids did, so, and how much prayer we've prayed. But we've really tried to do both, so I'm hoping for a whole lot of people. We had about 150 visitors last year. Well, no, it was more like 100, um, but uh, which is awesome. And I'm hoping that everybody that came last year will want to come again because we had a blast last year. What's yeah. your usual youth group size? Like? It's 135 to 150, depending on the week. Um, you know, that's counting leaders. So it's about 115, 120 kids, depending. Um, and it, this year it's been really varied and weird. Like, we'll have weeks where we got like 160 people in the room, and then the next week we'll have like 120 people. And I'm like, man, what's going on? I don't know if it's school stuff or what it is, but it's just been like. We've had weeks where we've had to set up extra rows of chairs. Because it's like, wow, and then we've had weeks where it's like, yeah, there's big holes, you know. It's like, man, I don't know, it's weird. So, yeah, but the counts usually are right in that area, which is awesome. We actually have a couple of other youth groups coming to tonight's event. So the youth group from Avila is coming, and um, I forget. I'm sorry, but I forget the other one. <laughs> said they were going to come. I haven't talked to them in a couple months, but they were like, we're going to come. So, okay. All right. So it'll be great. Be stoked. Be excited. Do you have costumes? That's the bit. I'm going as a match. Question. Do you know how we could find a shirt with Obama on it? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Stephen would like to be represent so 
some sort of punny joke um, implying the impeachment of Obama. <laughs> Get a stick and put like a peach on it and like glue some mints on it, you know, and like wear a shirt with Obama. Just put a big this is something Vicky and I brainstormed last hand. night. <laughs> I mean, I don't mind. I'll do it. <laughs> I'm sure there are shirts with Obama. I, you could probably find them at the mall, but I. There's a t-shirt place at the mall. Goodwill. There's a t-shirt place at the mall, which is... Custom made. Awesome. No, I'm not talking about the custom made place. Oh, okay. This is a... Basically all of the snarky things you could possibly put on a t-shirt. The best movie quotes ever. Um, I, it's called Blackout Tees. It's at the mall. It's awesome. Like Glenbrook? Yeah. Yes, you have to go. Or is it a kiosk? It's a store. Wait, yeah. did we get out at four today? Because we normally do on Wednesdays. Then we have a two-hour lunch break. Yeah, I think we're going to work out though. Yeah. It's blackout tees is worth the trip. I have to say, it is. <clears throat> like I went in one of my favorite t-shirts that I saw there. They have tons of like Star Wars ones that are really funny, and they like Pulp Fiction. And they have yes, they. I mean, like any like cult movie that exists. There's a t-shirt there with quotes from it like that you're just like, <gasps> um, By the way, on, on, on its way to my house right now is a hoodie that says it's a Monday on it. I'm very excited about that. Are you guys Olin Rogers people? No? Are you kidding me right now? I mean, I have rough Mondays, but not as much anymore. It's this is a off. it's a quote. <laughs> Tuesdays are pretty rough. There's another shirt. There's another shirt in it that says "Drop the Chief," which is also. But it's 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 Olin Rogers is a guy on YouTube. If you have not witnessed the glory of Olin Rogers, then you need to do so immediately. Like, I would do it right now, but we have a lot to go over. But it's, he tells, he tells, I might be able to do that. He, he tells <laughs> stories to right to the camera. It's like him sitting in front of his computer telling a story to the camera. And just the way that, the stories are hysterical, but the way he tells the story is why it's funny. And this, the, uh, he uses little quippy phrases all the time that are totally t-shirt worthy. And the re he creates them. So that he can put them on clothing and sell the clothing. That's that literally is why he's is he a young guy. Yeah, he's a young guy. I don't Does know. Does he actually sell like t-shirts? Oh yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, he works as a model part some, some too. And so he models his own designs. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he's he is. I I I get from 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 sources that would know he's apparently a good-looking man. Um, <laughs> I'm not really a good. I'm not a good judge. Yeah, how many middle school attractiveness? And I'm not talking about middle school. I'm talking about like every female that sees his face. Um, oh yeah, he's a good-looking man, but he's a goofball. So you, you especially, I cannot believe you don't know and love Owen Rogers. I guess I'll have to look him up. This, he's right up your alley. Wow. I almost feel like I have to show you one right now. I wouldn't be mad about it. Um, but how are you all going to see it? I mean, I can show you on here, but... We can I do. drive around. We're Actually, if you have an HDMI cord, <laughs> I can pull it up. Do I have one here? That's the question. 
This doesn't. No. And there's yeah, a TV in there that. Oh, we could just crowd around it. Yeah. I'm sorry to say, I don't think I have one at the church right See, now. See, I, I was thinking about bringing mine, but then I, I completely forgot about it. But again, I bought. I, I, I bought one. I bought one to have at the church because we use like Apple TV a lot for stuff, mm -hmm. and that's the only way to connect video like to Apple TV. Yeah. And um, and uh, and I bought one an HDMI cord, and then I took it with me to this conference in Michigan, and, and I was gone. using it. Well, no, it didn't, so. but it, it like quit working halfway through the conference. Oh, so yeah. I had to borrow, I don't know why, and I haven't had a chance to test it since then. Was it gold-plated? Huh? No. It just pooped out on me, and so I had to borrow a cord from the conference center to continue. I was using it for the words, for the worship. And it just didn't work at all. But, okay, here we go. Owen Rogers, which one am I going to show you? <laughs> well, we're going to start where I always start with when I'm introducing people to Owen Rogers because. Oh, I forgot. We really have sucky Wi Fi up here, don't we? Oh. We just got a new router put in yesterday. Did they? I think. I don't think it's on. I because it's not registering on mine or anywhere else. Is this video going to be like the the werewolf Down syndrome? No. I tried to show that at like the New Year's Eve party at the Jorah's house this last year, and everybody's like, "This is a terrible video. Why are you laughing?" You're horrible. You're evil. Everybody like criticized me like. Why would you watch something like this? What was it? What was it? It's a bunch of like. It, it is. They are. It is not supposed to be a funny video. Oh, they're serious about they it. They are being oh. completely serious about that it. And, and <laughs> I still will have to listen. And I do feel like I. I kind of feel like I'm going to hell anytime that I watch <laughs> it. Um, it's so bad. But it is. It is seriously one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. But it's but it's evil funny. It's not like and and, and and different people have watched it and been like, How dare you? And I'm just like, I'm sorry, but don't you think it's funny? And they're like, No, it's not funny, it's terrible. Why would you watch this? Why would you think this is funny? You think you're a horrible person. I'm sorry, no, but it's funny, right? Yes, yes, because you laugh and you die because it's funny, but it's like, oh, but I can't, and, oh. Do they really howl? Yes. yes. See, I would laugh at just most people howling, <laughs> yes. just in general. Okay, there's one with like a, like a They're voice They're very box. serious. It's like a robot voice because he has like punch it in. It's not a little guy. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't howl with it. He says, I fight vampires. <laughs> Can we watch this video? Oh, 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 oh,
Because we're gonna do. We're gonna do the. We're gonna. Okay. Because I can't get the Wi-Fi stuff to work up here. As soon as we're done, we'll go down to my office. <laughs> and we will watch at least one, probably two Owen Rogers videos, and we will watch the Werewolf Poetry. <laughs> Just to get us in the Halloween mood. Oh. That that moment in the video where you hear the little robot voice say, Hi, hi, vampires. Is seriously, when I first watched it, is when I went, <laughs> Like, okay. I was watching it with, like, with my, boat with, with, both brothers-in-law, okay? And they had found it and seen it. And I've never seen Travis laugh like that. Like, his nose was ready to bleed. Like, he was like... And, and I was like, this is so horrible! And I just, I like walked into the room and they're both like... like what are you watching? And they're like, you have to, you have to see And so it started. They didn't give me, there was no... Preamble. They didn't tell me what I was about to see. And at first, I was like... <laughs> but the more, like, the comedy just started, like... And then the little guy... I like that. He's got a laughing fit right now. I lost it completely. I was Signal, but I don't think it's working. I don't think that. Yeah, the, that one's not working for some reason. Well, but the one that says Jim MC7 whatever is not connected to you. Yeah, it's just a like a, a ghost network. Inter, well, it's a, no, it's a network that the sound guys use to connect yeah. stuff up there. Um, and uh, but it's not. There's no internet connection to it. See, there was another connection though yesterday. It was called FOA Assembly of God. I think oh, really? free Wi-Fi. And um, it was there, but that's because that router was installed though. Okay. And so I have a feeling that that's a, an extension router, basically, so to extend through another one. Well, so that, I think that's the all. plan is they're installing commercial grade routers, which we've never had. Uh huh. And so the plan is to have really great Wi Fi around the church, but that's, that's <coughs> taking them a few weeks to get it all really good. Oh, so. that's what's happening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We will have really, like, honest to goodness, good Wi-Fi you know, so, like, within within you know the next couple weeks. <clears throat> okay, so Romans chapter six. <laughs> it's okay. It really is okay. All right. I used to think he's trying to Ouch. I was trying to like put some swag with my walk, but it didn't work. <laughs> I just looked like the hunchback. <laughs> I threw my back out one time and I had this. It was just a hideous walk. 
uh, when I was recovering. Basically, I was leading with my right hip. <laughs> it was very bad. It just looked terrible. It looked almost like I was being some kind of purge. Like, it was the only way I could physically walk. Like It was either that or crawl. And, yeah, I'm not sure. Sometimes you just gotta grow. It's alright. I, I can. I'll edit all this off of the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Good. Um, <laughs> Want to? Yeah. I probably will. Um, yeah, our parents are listening to this Bible study. Like, I fight vampires. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Did I fight vampires? <laughs> what do you mean? What is this? You don't get it. He fights vampires? What's that from? Did Paul fight vampires? Apostle Paul Vampire Slayer? <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't wait for that movie. He's <laughs> just <laughs> slaying everyone with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he, he throws hankies at them and they just. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Bible ball. <laughs> Bible ball. <laughs> It's like it's like a holy hand grenade. Okay. <laughs> Anyone? Okay. Holy hand grenade. Anyone? I got it. Yeah. <clears throat> we've, we've traveled over into the Monty Python realm, which is very dangerous. For me. Very dangerous for me. <laughs> I actually have two halves of a coconut in my Are office that someone gave <laughs> oh me. Oh my god. Like, I was, I was just standing on the stage and somebody walks up and hands me a plastic bag and says, when you open it, you'll know why I gave it to you and then leaves. Oh my god. And, and I'm like... That was creepy. It was creepy. And I was mid-conversation so I couldn't really open it right then. I get back to my office, I open it and I was like, oh! Who's that? And I turned to my, my intern who I had introduced to this movie, and I said, Come, Patsy! And I went, <laughs> One of my favorite parts of that movie is with the witch and the duck, and how they like try yes. to figure out how she's a witch. I'm like, who thought of this? So if she weighs the same as a duck... <laughs> she's a witch. She's made of wood? <laughs> yes! And therefore, she's a witch! My, my favorite moment in that whole thing is when he says, and he says, and what do you do with witches? He's like, burn! He's like, what do you burn apart from witches? The guy goes, more witches! I wonder if the guy who made that movie hates cats because there's like three more things. Really? Yes. I think it's just, I think it's just a random like. But it's always cats. <laughs> yes, it is always cats. I, I don't know. There's got to be some joke behind it that we don't know about that they just, you know. It's um, yeah, I I love that film. I could probably quote like ninety percent of it. Yes, it's, it's yes. We have the lights. No, no. I watched it like I I really want to go like. Dressed as the Knights of Me sometimes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or the or the three headed the three headed knight. It's like, what do you have that? Just get two people to go with me and we walk around. Oh my gosh, it would be so much fun. Okay, <clears throat> Father, help us to focus. What should we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? 
Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Okay. Um, if I can get my identity, there we go. All right, he's introducing another, uh, uh, another way to think about our relationship to, you know, who we were and what the gospel has accomplished in us. And really, Paul in, in Romans has this, has the gospel up here in view, okay? And he's trying to give you multiple perspectives of it. As many different ways to get a view of this thing that he can possibly do it. And he does it via metaphor. And so he's done, he's talked about, you know, in, in, in the last chapters, he's given us several other metaphors for, for what happens to us, what has happened to us because of the gospel. And this is another one um, where he's saying, look, you died to sin. So um, he's, he's, he's confronting that age-old question that always comes up when the gospel is preached. When you throw it out there and say, okay, it's not because of your record that you're saved, it's because of Christ's record that you are saved. And Paul also puts in um, that every, everywhere, uh, remember we talked about at the end of last week, we talked about how grace is much more powerful than sin. How every time sin has branched out into a new, into a new form or a new territory, grace has even gone beyond that and done more. And that, that Adam's sin you know, brought death to the whole world, but the death of Jesus in this one act, this one righteous act and righteous life of Christ, has, has given us far more than what Adam's one act did. It not only did it fix, we don't just get Eden back, we get the New Jerusalem. We talked about that last week, okay? Um, he didn't, God's not just restoring to us what we lost, He's giving us more than what we lost. He's taking us beyond that. And that's the power of grace. We don't just get back what we lost, but we get back far more than we ever lost and far more than we ever had. And, uh, and so, once again, this is just another opportunity. Paul loves to, to voice the questions that he knows are going on in the heart of his listeners. And, and he loves to attack the, the defeaters and the arguments that are happening in the minds of the people that are listening. Arguments that have been brought to him in the past that he knows are probably going to come up again. And he likes to just tackle them before they even become an issue. And so that's what he's starting to do. But in the midst of that, he's giving us this new uh, view. Um, one of my favorite teachers of the gospel is a guy named Dr. Timothy Keller. And I've talked about him before, but he really is. He's just got this... He's one of the best communicators of the gospel I've ever encountered, and he's just fantastic. And, uh, and he does whole sermon series at his church on attacking the defeaters of our culture. Okay? And so he will preach a three-week sermon series on why the whole how-can-there-be-only-one-way-to-God argument is ridiculous. He will just attack it. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not, you know, a lot of preachers are, well, you know, and they just kind of want to hem and haw around it. He's like, no, 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 let's deal with this. And he just goes after that thing. Because how many, how many times have you heard that? 
aren't don't you think it's arrogant to say you're the only one that has the right way? Okay, you know, and we get that all the time, right? Is how can there be only one way to God? You know, that 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 means that you're right and everybody else is wrong. And and Keller goes after it with a vengeance, and it's beautiful. And he wrote a book based on all the defeaters that he's attacked, and and it's called The Reason for God, and it's just like each of these arguments presented one after another. So there's that one. There is the 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 problem of evil. Okay, if God's a loving God and He's all powerful, how come bad things happen to good people? Okay, He attacks that one. He attacks. Um, well, I, I can't think of what the other ones are, but the, it's just like, oh man, this book is. I give it to people that are really struggling in their faith. I will buy it for them and give it to them because most of the time, those are the arguments that they are using that that are going on in their own head that is helping them separate from Christ. I do want to say one thing, though. 99% of the time, when someone is questioning their faith, it is not coming from a place of honest questioning. It is coming from a desire to sin without guilt. Not, or anger at someone in the church. It is coming from some other place that has, you know, and, then, and, and that emotion has caused them to attack their faith with, you know, a whole bunch of questions, most of which they don't really care about the answers. There are the rare few people that actually care about these questions and the answers to those questions. But most people, even if you give them a really beautiful, logical answer to their question, they are still going to fight with you. And it's because that's not the source of their quote-unquote doubt. Okay? The source of their doubt is usually anger at a leader or at a church or at a group of people at a church. Or um, they've gotten pulled into a sinful lifestyle and they are tired of feeling guilty about it. Most of the time it's one of those two things. And I usually will just call people on it. Because I can argue with you all day. I'm a pretty smart guy and I will probably win. But Let's talk about how you're sleeping with your girlfriend and that makes you feel bad. And that's really why you don't want to be a Christian anymore. Can we just be honest? I did that through like all of high school. Really because hard. that's like, the truth. I would like, and I would like attack the faith with like yeah. all these like just worldly like outlooks and questions and like yeah. this doesn't make sense when actually reality I just wanted to party a lot exactly and that's what is m most of the time is going on they're they're attempting to justify themselves based upon you know but their problem isn't that they really have questions about the faith the problem is that they are feeling guilty and so they, they want an excuse. They want to be able to say, well, that's bullcrap because, and so I don't have to feel guilty anymore. It's enough to, make, to, to give them a, a rest from, their, from their, the conviction that's going on in their hearts for five minutes, which is long enough for them to find something else to distract them. And that's what's going on most of the time. When people bring up questions, that's what it's about. Does that mean we shouldn't go after those questions? No, but let's deal with the reality first. You know, let's just cut to the chase. Why are you mad at God? You know? What are you doing that makes you feel ashamed of me? 
when you think about the fact that God is there and watching you. When I run into people, now, the ones that are honest about it are probably the ones who have no church background that are kind of looking at Christianity and going, I don't understand this. Those guys, it's really helpful to go after these to go after the questions because they're asking. They really want to know. How does this work? Jesus talked about throwing pearls before swine and that kind of thing. Because all of the questions the Pharisees brought to him, they were just bull. They were trying to trip him up. They were trying to make him look bad in front of his followers. They were not interested in the answer. And Jesus hardly ever gave them the answer. He would go right around their question and attack what was going on inside them. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do the same thing. So when somebody begins asking you questions, ask the Holy Spirit for revelation and just, you know, maybe answer their question. That'd be great. And you guys should know the answers to these questions. You really should. Um... You should have solid scriptural answers to these kind of questions. Why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? That's an important question. That's a question you should care about. And the Bible has answers for those questions. It really does. But it's, it's, it's not just like, you can't just look it up in your, in your whatever. And it's, oh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Bad things happen to good people because it's, you know, it's, it's not like that. You have to dig. You have to dig into it, and you have to really get, you know, go beneath the surface and get it. If you guys haven't done that in your own heart, just disarm the enemy and go after it. Go after these questions. I I love moments. And this is going to sound weird, but I love moments of doubt in my own heart, and the reason I do. It's because it gives me an opportunity to be honest with myself and with God and say, and just take it to him and say, Lord, what's up with this? Help me understand this. And we hash it out. And at the end of that process, without fail, at the end of that process, I'm stronger in my faith than I was before the question. And, I, and, and that's, I, I, so I love those moments personally. But that's, you know, that's because I'm actually coming at them because I want to know the answers, which isn't necessarily the truth a lot of the time. So Paul is defeating one of those questions. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might abound? That's the question that's being asked, and he's going to attack it. Because when he says, You're not, you aren't a part of the gospel because of what you did, the gospel comes to you as a free gift, and it is not contingent upon what you have done or what you will do. And so they're saying, well, good, I can just go do whatever I want. It's not going to matter. And Paul is like, no, that's not what I said. And the fact that you're saying that means that you don't understand this or desire it at all. Because what has happened to you was that you died to sin. You have died to sin. Prior to salvation, the only thing you lived in was sin. There was you, It was impossible. Did you know that it's impossible for an unsaved person to do something holy? You can do something good, maybe even righteous, 
But to do something that is acceptable to God is impossible. It just is. It's impossible. Why? Anybody know the answer to that question? Why is it impossible for an unsaved person to do something that's acceptable to God? Because they don't know God. Okay. How do they know what is acceptable to God? There is a verse that is the perfect answer to this question. Without blank, it is impossible to please God. Exactly. That's why. Romans chapter 14 says, anything that does not proceed from faith is sin. Okay? That's why it's impossible for someone who is not saved to do something that is acceptable and holy to God. Can they do good things? Absolutely. In fact, I think there are unsaved people that are a lot better people than most Christians I've ever met. And that's okay. The truth is, that if they think they're going to be earning their own salvation based upon their own record, they better be better people than us because they have to work for it. Does that make sense? Now, they're never, going to, they're never going to get there. But if they're like, I have to be a good person or else, they better be better than us because they really, they, that, is, that, ha, that should drive them. The weight of divine wrath should drive them to be a better person than us. It really should. Because the weight of divine wrath is not on us. Does that make sense? Okay? And we get that, and so we're free to walk out life in a different way. Now, does that mean we sh- they should be more like Jesus than we are? No. And we'll talk about that a little bit today. But does that mean they're going to be more kind of outwardly, constantly seeking a way to... A- to have people and or God approve of them morally, yes. Yes, they're going to do big, showy things because they need somebody to tell them that they're a good person because if they don't feel that, then, oh my gosh, I'm going to go to hell. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. Okay? So that's, that's why, you know, we talk about, you know, church people are just, they're just terrible, blah, blah, they should be something else. Well, I get that. But at the same time, It matters where your goodness comes from. And if it comes from fear, it's not really goodness. It's what Jonathan Edwards would call um, common grace. He doesn't, he's, he loves common grace. Jonathan Edwards is one of my favorites. He loves common grace and he says, the world would really stink and be a terrible place if it wasn't for common grace. If it wasn't for people scared of being punished or scared of some kind of divine wrath that they don't know about in the future and they just need to be a good person or scared of being looked at badly by the people around them. If it, that's all common grace. That is, that is good behavior that doesn't come from faith. Okay, That's what that is. It's, um, and it's all around us. America is probably the most saturated with common grace country in the world it, because we are constantly driven to do things be, because we feel like we're a moral people. Now that is changing. and That is the lasting legacy of the church in the United States is that we seek to be a righteous people. Okay? The problem is we're trying to do it without God and it will never work. 
But anyway, the Apostle Paul says, no. <laughs> no, in fact, when he's in verse 2, when he says no, it's, it's the most possible... You couldn't be more emphatic in the original language. It's like, by no means, absolutely not, no way, uh-uh. I mean, like, it's like Paul's going, no, 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 that is stupid. You totally don't understand. If that's the question that's in your head right now, then we got to go back to square one because you do not get what happened to you when grace entered the picture. We are dead to sin. Now, guys, if... <laughs> that most of us don't believe that that we're dead to sin most of us don't we really don't most of us believe that sin is still alive and active in us that that's, that that's a reality in our heart part of that by the way is a misinterpretation of chapter 7 which we will talk about next time but Most of us do not believe that sin is, that we are dead to sin. We just don't. We believe that sin is still powerful in us and that we're in a fight every day with sin. Paul's going, no you're not. Why are you fighting a dead person? Most of the church does not understand or value this reality, but it's really vital. In the same way, this is the picture, in the same way that a deaf person is dead to sound, and a blind person is dead to sight and vision. So we are dead to sin. That's literally the picture that Paul is giving us in this. We are dead to sin. It has no more influence over us. None. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. And he's not a liar. This is the word of God. He says, you are dead to sin. We've been given authority over sin. No. That implies that sin is still alive. It's not. Do you need authority over a dead person? Do you? No. It's dead. It's not just that you've been given authority over it. It has no power in you anymore. Now, I know that everybody in here is going, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, we're dead to sin. Uh-huh. It has no, no power over me anymore. Uh-huh, whatever you say. You know, I get that. It's one of those, well, wouldn't that be nice kind of moments, right, in Scripture? I wish I was dead to sin. I, I know different. No, you don't. This is the truth. We are dead to sin. It's a, Paul makes it clear, this is a present reality in the life of a Christian. We have nothing to do with it. Would you keep a dead person in your house and have dinner or go about the activity of your life with them? Would you keep a corpse in your house? Weekend at Burmese. Anybody seen that? Okay. Would you keep, would you keep a, a corpse in your house? No, you wouldn't. So why? That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. So why do you have? Why is sin still hanging around? That's not who you are anymore, and that is dead. It's dead. You died to it, and it has died to you. 
It does not have power in your life anymore. Now, that's the, here's the question. So why do I still sin? Right? There's a couple things going on here. Okay. Number one, you don't believe that sin is dead. That's a huge deal. Everything that happens in the Christian faith happens like this. By grace, which what does by grace mean, guys? That's right. I saw okay, there's a guy at Chipotle, works the counter. It says grace is a gift on his arm. He has a, he has a tattoo. And I was like, I love that tattoo. He's like, it's life-saving truth. I said, it is. I said, I said, man, I was just teaching on this like an hour ago. I love that. I said, I think I'm going to get that tattoo. He was like, it's a good tattoo, man. Yeah, well, he's making a sweet You know, but I, um, grace is a free gift, okay? So... Everything, everything, everybody say everything, everything that comes to us from Christ comes as a free gift through faith. So, if you don't believe it, you won't see it. Does that make sense? So does that mean no one has enough faith? There are sin. people that believe this a lot better than I do. But they still sin. Oh, yeah. Sure. There's three things at work. This is the first one. Okay. They don't. We don't believe it. And no, I don't think anybody has perfect faith for this. I don't think we will until later. We are, we are in transition right now. We have to understand that the Bible is very clear that salvation is at work in, it, in us, but it's not completed. Until we are fully resurrected, spirit, soul, and body, which we will be, salvation has not completed its work in us. The Assemblies of God calls this reality sanctification. It is a process, Okay? And this is what the process looks like. Now, let me warn you. Most people think of sanctification as the process of self-punishment whereby we become better people. Most people think of sanctification like this. I figure out that this sin is in my life and I beat myself to death until I'm not committing that sin anymore. Eh, wrong not real. That's not what the process looks like. That, that does not work. Because it might change behaviors, but it doesn't change the root. It doesn't affect the bottom of the problem. And that process that's at work in you to create that lie, or that lust, or that greed, or that anger, is going to pop up somewhere else. Because, yeah, I may have amended my behavior in this area, but I haven't dealt with the core issue. The only way to deal with the core issue is by grace through faith we receive the revelation of the gospel for that issue and it's dealt with. Okay? 
But we have to believe it. We've got to believe that sin is dead. Now, for some people, I've seen this work like, okay, I sat down with a guy who was in ministry. He wasn't a, wasn't a pastor, but he was in ministry in the church. And he got caught with a pornography addiction that had been in his life for years. Nothing, I mean, he, he had tried everything. He had read every young man's battle like eight million times. He had, you know, just done everything he could possibly do. And he's like, Josh, I don't know what to do about this. And I said, do you know you're dead to sin? And he was like, no, I'm not. I mean, he literally said that to me. I'm not. He said, it rules my life. He said, I, I don't have power over this. And I said, that belief system right there is what has kept you in bondage all this time. I want you to go, I want you to read Romans chapter 6, verse 1 through 10, every day for the next week, and I want you to ask God for revelation on the truth that you are dead to sin, and we'll talk next week, okay? We came back together the next week, and he goes, you are never going to believe. I was like, yes, I, yes, I am. I do believe, because I had the same problem, and this is how it got eradicated. By grace, through faith, I was set free from patterns of sin in my life. Are there still other patterns of sin in my life? Yes. Have I found the inroad? Have I found the base issue and really been able to attack it and be set free from it? By grace, through faith? No, I haven't yet, but I will. This is the process. It isn't a process of stop line, stop line, stop line. That won't work. You have to attack it at the root, which is an incorrect belief. You are lying because there is either something you believe about God that is not true, or something about God that is true that you don't believe. It is a belief problem that is your problem, that is being manifested in unchristlike behavior. It is a belief issue. It's all about faith. So, either you don't believe it, or you're simply unaware of it. That's the other thing. Which is why we have to spend time in Scripture. There's a Scripture I wish I'd written down, but I didn't. And it says, it says, through the Holy Spirit, we learn all that we've been given for free from God. So God has, uh, when I was a kid, I had this dream that God was walking me through this gigantic warehouse, okay? And there's boxes on top of boxes and stuff on shelves and shelves and shelves. And I said, what, where are we? You know, what is this? And he said to me, oh, these were today's blessings that, that didn't get handed out because of unbelief. These were the new mercies I had for today for my people that they never received because they didn't believe for them. They didn't ask for them. He said, there's a storehouse like this for every day. It was, I woke up really upset. Like, and so after that, for a long time, one of my prayers was, I don't want anything left in the storehouse. Whatever I don't believe, God, I want it. Lord, pour, pour out your new mercies on me. <laughs> Forgive me for my unbelief. Help, help. I want that stuff, you know. And it's like, God, because it was just sitting there and Jesus was really disappointed about it. Like, I wanted to give all this to them and they, they didn't receive it. And it's just like, man. 
We don't believe the goodness of God. We just don't. And we don't believe the power of the gospel. You are, are, now, not will be. You are dead to sin. Now, right now, this moment, where you're sitting, sin has no influence over you. None. It's dead. That's the truth. Okay, so number one, we don't believe it. Number two, we don't know it. And I can't remember number three now. Darn. I'll think of it later. Those are the two really big ones for me, though. Either number one, you don't believe it, or number two, you don't know it. So number three, you don't realize it. That well, that might be it. True. I don't remember what number three is. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't write it in here, so. Um, Uh, number three is that that pain and disappointment and fear have blocked our ability to see it or understand it. That's number three. Yeah. And that's a big deal. It really is. We let our experiences in life teach us a theology that's not found in scripture. We let our experience shape our perception of God and not not God's word shape our perception of our experience. And it should be the other way around. The thing is that all of these realities are totally fixable and totally they, they all meet in the place of prayer and study of God's word I mean that's really the answer for this reality if we are in God's word really digging in and just asking God to give us revelation of what his word says and spending time in prayer really looking at what's going on in us paying attention to our to, our, to the way we walk, the way we think, the way we talk. That's a huge one. And taking that back to the Lord. I said this today. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks God. What's going on in me that came out like that? My wife hates it when I use that, that sentence. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because she'll say something that's really negative and, and whatever. And I'll just be like, no, 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 no. Did you hear what you just said? She'd be like, I didn't mean it. And I'll say, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That would not have come out of your mouth if there wasn't something in you that actually believed it. And that's not cool. I'm a huge hypocrite, too, so let's just... I say things all the time that I'm that that just pass my lips and then I'm like, whoa. There's a there's a really scary thing that Jesus said in the Gospels. He said he said uh, that we would have to 
that we would be held to account for every idle word. <laughs> for somebody that talks for a living, it's a scary thing. It's, it scares me. That, that sentence frightens me, especially when I look at it through a gospel lens because what it's really, what, the, what my interpretation of that phrase is everything that I say that, that, that doesn't correspond with faith I'll be held accountable for, and it's just like, Bleh. okay. It just makes me want to like put a zipper on my mouth and leave it zipped. I love that. Paul says that we've been crucified to sin. It's died. Now, if you go and read commentaries of this particular scripture, it's going to say that when Paul says that, it, that you've been crucified, it's talking about the painful process of eliminating sin from your life. And wrong, not true. I read three different commentaries that said that, and I was like, that is so not what he's saying. He's saying we were with Christ on the cross, that we were literally, by faith, in the Spirit, crucified with Jesus. He is not saying that it's painful and difficult to get rid of sin. That's not true. That is so not what he said. You can look at it in the original Greek. You can look at it. This is what he's talking about. And he goes on later, to in verse 3, to be even more specific about it. We died to sin with Jesus. You Do you not know that you... Were, that you died, and that in your in baptism you were buried with Christ. To, we have. Did I? I yeah. I'll get there in a minute. In baptism, okay. Baptism in the Jewish culture was about being dedicated to something. If they had a mission they were going to go on, they would go be baptized into that mission. Like military missions, etc., they would do that. It, would, it meant, my life is about this now. So every time they did like something different, they would go get baptized into it. Depending on what was going on, that did happen, yes. It was a sign to the whole world. Everything that happened and all the things I was connected to up until now... I'm putting them to death. I don't have anything to do with them anymore. I am going under the water, which is symbolic of going under the ground, and I am coming back out. All of all of the things I cared about and knew about and that my life was about prior to this moment are now dead, and my life is about something else now. Okay, and that is what baptism means. It means it's... By the way, these are some of the verses that people that believe you have to be baptized to get saved use to talk about baptism and its connection to salvation. Um, because it says, you know, in your baptism you were buried with Christ. Well, if I haven't been buried with Christ yet, then I'm obviously not saved. It's not true. Baptism is a symbol. It's a symbolic act. And I would say this argues more for it happening post-salvation than happening at salvation that you go under the water, that Jesus does this radical work in you, and that you say, I recognize that work that Jesus has done in me, and therefore, I am going to bury everything that has to do with who I was before, and I am publicly, and I'm going to stand up in this moment and say, I am, some, I am about something else. It is a testimony to the world. I am now dead to sin. That is not who I am anymore. 
But we're going to introduce another thing in verse 4 here. Okay, Baptism is a sign of consecration. Dedication to God. Consecration, by the way, can somebody give me a definition of consecration? Come on. To be set, okay, to be set apart is correct. Um, the way that I think about this, okay, you guys are communal livers, so you will understand this. When I come home from the restaurant and I have my leftovers and my little bit of my thing, Okay, the little foam box. Okay. No one is allowed to touch those but me. So I consecrate them and write my name on top of the box. I have set them apart for me. Does that make sense? Those are consecrated unto Josh. I always ate my dad's leftovers. Yeah, see? My kids do too. My kids do all the time, and I'll be like, if it's something that I'm like, don't you dare, I will write, I will write, this is, you know, dad on the top of it and put it in the thing. And they know if it says dad on there that they're not allowed to touch it. They know. My kids are aware that hell and, you know, and brimstone will come down on their heads. If they touch it, when it says if it says dad on the top, if it doesn't say dad on the top, it's free game. But if I go to Saboya's or something, and I still have half my quesadilla de la casa left, they had better not touch it, because I can't eat the whole thing. And I always bring it home. But I want it. It's better like two days later, you know, when it's that type of thing. It's for me. It's consecrated unto me. Okay, and so I think about that. God has written his name on my life. Nobody else can touch me. I am consecrated, set apart unto him. His territory, his, uh, his ownership, his possession. That's what I was looking for. And I do not belong to anything else or anyone else. Okay, Verse 4. You're not just dead. So we didn't just die with Jesus. Oh, we did. But we were resurrected with him as well. And this is so important. We didn't just die with him, which is great. I'm really glad I died with him because that means I'm dead to sin. But I have been raised to walk in newness of life. That is something that we've got to grab a hold of this with both hands, guys. We have been raised to walk in newness of life. Everybody loves the new. Everybody loves the new, right? I mean, I'm already drooling over the iPad Air, right? You know, it's like, oh mm, it's so pretty. You know, I, you know. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to buy one, at least not for a long time. But, you know, I, you know, I, I, everybody loves, we all love and desire the new. Everybody loves the young, right? Young people in their life and their, and, you know, you know and, and, and it's because Something that's new is not decaying, it's not falling apart, it's not, there's, we're not being reminded of our own mortality by it, okay? They still feel immortal, you guys are young enough that you really still feel you, that, that kind of sense of immortality, like, I'm untouchable, you know? Uh, it's starting to fade a well, tad. Yeah, I, I can understand that, I really can, but at the same time, you know. Like two years ago, straight up immortality. Absolutely. <laughs> now, you aren't feeling it as much as I am, five years from 40. And thinking, okay, I I need to I need to set some healthy habits in my life that I don't seem to have, because I don't want to be 45 having a heart attack and you know so um, I'm really having to start 
to think about that stuff, okay? But you guys are still just like, you know, whatever, it's good. You know, so <coughs> at least when I was your age, I was. I was like, nothing can touch me. I'm immortal. Okay? In the old, we are reminded of our immortality. And we, we see that things are constantly breaking down in an old car. You're kind of, you have to fix it every five minutes, you know, whatever. Okay, the new is beautiful and wonderful and awesome. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. Guess what? Because you're resurrected with Jesus, you are perpetually new in the Spirit. You get to walk now in newness of life. Every single day, I'm walking in the new mercies for today. I am perpetually new. There is new life, constant, always uh, being refreshed and poured into us and out of us, and we can live in that place forever. And not only that, there's the beautiful part. Now, I talk about our mortality, but I'm not mortal. This is getting, you know, old, and, you know, like my mom the other day goes, oh, You have gray hair. And I was just like, Shut up, mom. Yeah. No, I was. I was like, I've had gray hair for like forever. She's like, I just didn't notice it before now. <clears throat> you know, this this flesh is may die if, you know, the end times doesn't happen as soon as I think it's going to. <laughs> I, I I might die and be buried in the ground. But I'm not mortal in that I walk in newness of life. Even then I will be before the throne of God in his presence, rejoicing in glory until I get my body back. And when I do, it's not going to be this crappy old model. It will be the top of the line new one that is unbelievable in its power. How does that go about happening? Like you said, when you get your body back. On Resurrection Day. When I say Resurrection Day, it's the second coming of Jesus. So then or the rapture that happens before... But... When Jesus comes again, whether it's before the tribulation or after, it doesn't matter. When he comes again... I know what's after. I always throw that out there. At the second coming of Jesus, we will... Even the Christians that are living on the earth and haven't died yet will get their resurrection bodies. All of us will get our resurrection bodies on that day. Do you think we're all going to be jacked? Maybe. Who knows? So we're going to be perfect, right? Yeah. I, I really don't know. Our <laughs> definition or God's definition. It might be yeah, what God intended for us. That's well, we will have a physical existence. Jesus did. He ate. You know, he, he, he said, come here. Put your finger in the scar right there. Come on, you want to see? You know, I mean, he had he had a manifest physical reality, and so we will. But then he was able to do other stuff like walk through walls and just disappear and fly and teleportation. Exactly. So, so you know, we're and who's excited? Yeah, I'm totally. You talked about the Matrix earlier. No, this is way better. I know. This is way better. Jesus flew. He flew. He was standing in the Meadow Olives, and then he just ascended. Do you think, I mean, Jesus, you know, he didn't do, you know, like, the Matrix where he's like, okay, he didn't do that. But, but, in fact, he was still talking as he's going up, like, hey, guys, I have fun with Jesus. Hey, what's this? I always picture vintage Jesus, 
<laughs> I really hate vintage Jesus. I mean, I love it because of what it's about. It's like, this is what the church thinks Jesus was like. This is when we portray him, we portray him as this wimpy guy. And it's kind of a comment Ooh, on that. We just started Wild at Heart, and it has a completely different I love Wild at Heart. Oh, that's not who he was. He was a man's man. He was, he was, he was a beast. Yeah, he was awesome. He was a carpenter, man. He was probably buff. Um, His hands yeah. were probably super strong. Yeah, he had, he had calluses and the yeah. whole deal, man. I mean, he was not he was not a wimpy little dude. He had a dunk past beard. <laughs> uh, no question. <laughs> For instance, well, just by the way, a little side note, angels have beards. I'm just throwing it out there. Really? They do. Angels have beards. Do you want to know why? Do you want to know why? Do you want to know my biblical answer for this? Every time that someone encountered an angel in the Old Testament, what did they say? A a man or someone that looks like a man, right? That's what they said. Okay? In the Old Testament, it was unlawful for a man to shave his beard. They would have said a beardless man. That's true. They would have said, a man without a beard. That's what they would have said, but they didn't. They just said, a man. And to everybody in that culture, a man had a beard. It was literally, it's in the Jewish law that you shall not shave your beard. Does that play a role while you're bearded? No. I just like the way it looks. And my wife likes the way it looks. So She says I look like a five-year-old when I don't have a beard. No. I actually shaved my beard for a nightmare last year because I dressed as Justin Bieber. Oh, nice! And uh, I had the Bieber wig and the. Oh my goodness! It was it was it was a little bit younger Be- Bieber, not Thug Bieber like the other one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was young Bieber. I don't understand how His mentor is Usher. Usher's not thug, though. Well, I mean... He's like, he's gone above and beyond. <laughs> like, his dudes get in trouble for, Okay, like, but if you think about, like... Getting coke rings. I'm just talking about the way he looks. Oh, gotcha. He's not the coke Okay. Yeah, image, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about the rest. I think of Usher, and I'll just think of, like, lead burn. You know what I mean? Beaver's <laughs> out here, like, we're selling dope. We're doing everything. <laughs> All right. Um... So we walk in newness of life. That's such a powerful reality. And, and, and we have this thing coming, this, this unbelievable new body that's coming. That I, I just love to think about it. It's like, when I have my resurrection body, someday I will be a superhero. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about it. You can shoot me, I'll be like, that tickles. You know? I mean, <laughs> I mean like, we, and we literally will see, oh, man. Okay, I, I'm just going to stop right here because we only have 10 minutes left anyway. Just what the Bible tells us. The church spends far too small an amount of time thinking about the millennial reign of Jesus. We do not spend nearly... How many of you have spent any time at all really thinking about the millennial reign? Good. I hope you do. Just just recently. Because this is what it's going to be like. Physical... Jesus sitting on an actual throne in the actual city of Jerusalem. Okay? The earthly city. This one. This earth. Okay? He will be there. He will be sitting on a throne. You will be able to walk up to him 
and see him and speak with him. Okay? He will be right there, the ruler of the entire world. And as his government and his police force will be immortal resurrected Christians. Also, his, his, uh, his, the pastors and church uh, leaders of the world will be immortal resurrection Christians as well. Okay? The authority figures of the earth will be us. And we will be ruling normal, non-resurrected humans all over the planet. Okay? They're going to be just like normal, non-resurrected humans are now. But they, but they will be, you know, but Jesus will be their king. And Jesus' rule, he's, he's not going to be a pansy. The Bible says that he will break, he will shatter the nations with a rod of iron. He's not going to be like a, oh, he's not going to be Diet Coke Jesus, okay? He's going to be, he's is, he is going to be fiery-eyed it's my way or death, Jesus. That is how it's going to be. But think about it this way. This is what I... Love will rule the world. Can you imagine? A fierce love. Yes, real love. Real love is fierce. God hates because he loves. So whenever he comes back, yeah. is he not wiping just like everything out? No. I, I'm really confused. No. He will destroy the army of the Antichrist that comes against him. Okay. So they're, they're done. Like they're dead. Through... The army of Antichrist that meets in the valley of Jezreel, which is, we, we call Armageddon, okay? In that battle, he will literally melt them where they stand. That's the end of the Antichrist's army. He will pick up the Antichrist and the false prophet... And he will drop them in Gehenna, the lake of fire, forever. Bye. We will never see them again. They will not come back for the second, for, for the final judgment, which happens after. I thought Satan gets re-released. That's not Satan. This is the Antichrist and the false prophet. Satan will be bound and thrown into the That's abyss. That's, yeah. But I thought when after the Antichrist comes back from the dead, yes. Satan took over his body. He does. So what's getting thrown in the lake of fire? He, just a body? Well, I mean, the Antichrist spirit will be in hell. And uh, Jesus guess. can quite easily just whoosh, put it back in the body and then send it. That's not going to be an issue. I don't know. I never <laughs> thought that way. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, but Satan will be brought forth and he will be bound with chains and he will be thrown in the abyss, the bottomless pit, for a thousand years. Yes, for well, for a thousand years. He'll be incarcerated there, basically, for a thousand years, and thus begins the reign of Jesus on the earth. We will now. This will be after the three and a half years of literal hell on earth where everything that can poss you can possibly imagine happening to the planet will have happened to the planet. Earthquakes that literally level mountain ranges, that, that swallow every island on the earth whole, that, um, that completely remake the landscape of the entire planet. Okay? There won't be cities standing unaffected by what has happened to the earth over the last three and a half years. 
It will be unbelievable carnage all over the planet. But we will rebuild the ancient ruins. Have you heard that verse? Okay. There's so many verses in the Bible that are very specifically talking about the millennial reign of Jesus that we're like, I'm claiming that verse for myself right now. It's like, no. And I, I, sometimes I think God is going, this is about then. This is, I mean, cool, I'm a God, I never, I'm God, and I never change. And, you know, the, and yes, okay, I'll give you that. There you go. You can have that blessing. But this is really, look beyond that, too, and see that I'm talking about when I say you will be rebuild the ancient ruins, I actually mean you will rebuild the ancient ruins. We will go out and rebuild the ruined cities, the cities that have been destroyed during the tribulation. We will go out and we will rebuild them, and they will be a place for humans to live. Now, there's going to be two kinds of humans left on the earth after Jesus, um, and, and not resurrected humans. These are non-resurrected humans. We will have, number one, we will have uh, uh, people who took the mark, but were not a part of the army of Antichrist. They'll be here. Okay? They will not be, they cannot get saved. It's over for them. But they will live out the rest of their life here, under the rule of Jesus, denying their own here, right? foolishness. Oh yeah. They're gonna be like, I'm done. Yeah. There's no hope. I ruined that. And then we will have, we will have the Jewish people that God has protected, 144,000 Jewish people that God has protected during the tribulation and kept them alive. Okay. And then we'll have other people that were like, either that didn't take the mark. There will be nations of the earth that never really come under the rule of Antichrist. Um, uh, and whole, whole regions of the planet that never really came under the rule of Antichrist, not completely. And so they'll just be normal people that never took the mark, but weren't necessarily followers of Jesus, because um, if they were, they would have been resurrected. Okay, And there will be a group of people like that. Okay, So we will have the, those people. If you're saved, you will be resurrected whether you were dead or not, you will be resurrected when Jesus comes. So that group of people can like get saved then. They yes. Accept Jesus. Yeah. They Do they can. have like since he's king, will they like have the, the other option? Like, nah. I don't think that he's. Jesus? I don't think that he's going to. They will have to obey his his political rule over the planet, but they do not have to have faith in him for salvation. That's kind of crazy. Now, physically Jesus is standing in front of you. What, what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to be like, you know, I don't believe in you. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I think most of the people will. I mean, I, I'd be really surprised. Now, you will have the, the remnant of people that followed Antichrist that were not a part of the end time army, whether they're, you know, kids or, um, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know exactly how that's all going to work. But this is a thousand years we're talking about, okay? So that small group of people, and it will be small. When I say small, maybe a million people, maybe half a billion people. I, I don't know. Small in comparison to seven billion. Most of the population of the earth will be dead by the time Jesus returns. Most. So, yeah, it's like, wow. Okay, and those people will, the the 
the concentration of, I think most people will live in the New Jerusalem, and then over that thousand years we will be going out around the earth, establishing, you know, rebuilding cities, establishing new communities, you know, spreading the population of the planet around the earth again. Till at the end of that thousand years, we may be back to the seven billion mark. I mean, it wouldn't be that hard to do. A thousand years is a long time. It's a long time. A thousand years ago, we were, we were, there was only about a billion people on the planet. If that. Okay, so... Think about the rebuilding that we can do with heavenly bodies. And exactly, right? We can build... Not just that, stuff. heavenly brains. That's what, yeah, dude. We only use, like, what, 20% of our brain, 15 well, yeah, and this isn't so even our old can, brain. We can build all this is this stuff. is a resurrected brain that is completely unclogged by sin and by the foolishness of men. It is alight with the wisdom of God and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's going to be incredible. My Think about the technology. About the architecture. No, Seriously, the buildings are going to look sick. <laughs> Think about the technology and that this that is what it's that's going to come out of of that kind of a culture. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, we're starting wherever we start when. When all of this happens, which will be for much further than we are now, it's like imagine what it will be like then. It's just going to be like, psh, I mean, we're going to have, and, and, and we will be teaching them things like far, how to farm the, it, the Lord's way. How to, what medicine looks like in that, in that there won't be sickness, there won't be pain, there won't be crime, because God's going to be like, Okay, there won't be. Do, do you, it will be the ultimate human civilization. When we have like our heavenly bodies and stuff, when we have like our families and our wives and we things will, like that, we will not be, be married. Will we have relationships with those people? Absolutely. But when the resurrection happens, we become asexual beings. We will not have a sexual component to our nature. We'll still be men and women, but we won't marry and we won't have kids and we won't... So God just takes that gone. That's gone. Jesus said that in the resurrection that that whole aspect of our of our character will be... will disappear. That, that we, we will be... So, like, my wife hates it when I talk about this, but marriage is temporary. In the long, long run. Yes. It, what it is. It's till death do us part. We really should say till death or rapture do us part because that's the truth. Be, this agreement, this this covenant that I'm entering that I've entered into with my wife will be over on that day. Will she still be the woman who is my wife? Yes. And perfected. Do you think you'll still love her? I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. And they'll still be my kids. That's, a, that's an eternal relationship. I will still love them. I will still have a, a special relationship with them that I don't have with other people. But, there's, there's an aspect of that which will no longer be there. And um, I won't have that claim on her that I do now. That I'm yours and you're mine. It'll be completely different. Yeah. So what happens after, like, after the thousand years? After the thousand years, the thousand years Satan, pretty awesome. it's going to be incredible, but it's just the prelude to the really great moment. 
which is what's called the eternal state. Okay, A thousand years, and here's why. You need to understand why Jesus is doing this. Okay, Why, why rule the earth for a thousand years and then change it up? You know? awesome. No, know. it makes no it makes total sense because what he is showing to humanity and to the and the rulers and authorities in heavenly places is this is what human civilization ruled by a human Jesus himself this is what human civilization was supposed to look like from the beginning this was my plan and when we do when humans operate in under the authority of God as the rulers of the earth, this is the beautiful thing that happens. This. And it's wonderful. And everything that we've lost through this life will be given back to us. Everybody that you love that died that was a follower of Christ, you'll have back. Think about that. That's a lot of people in my life. My my father-in-law, one of the most godly men I ever knew, loved him, and, and he was taken. We'll have him back. Imagine what it's going to be like to go to a worship service led by King David. <laughs> yeah, right? What? Exactly. He's the man. You know, we've got King David and Bono and, you know... And you know, one of the seraphim, they're they're leading the worship conference. No, you need to say holy more. Just say holy more. He's looking at you with all his eyes. <laughs> I see you in the back row. <laughs> you in the middle too. It's gonna be awesome. I've never been so excited for the end time. I've always looked at it as like the horrible that little that little three and a half years that one thousand two hundred and sixty days is gonna be terrible. But it's three and a half years. I mean, you guys are old enough to know three and a half years is not that long. Well, and it's like the worst thing that can happen is you kill me. Exactly. In that case, thank you. I'm just gonna walk <laughs> into the place where they're giving people the mark, and I'm gonna be like, "Where's the guillotine?" <laughs> He's got a whole family. We're all ready. We're ready. I don't feel like screwing around, so can you just cut my head off? Actually, he volunteered to go first. You know? Just be like, I will wait. I will wait until the abomination which causes desolation, and I will be like, okay, guys, let's go. Let's go get killed. Woo! We're going to spend the next three and a half years under the altar. Yeah! It's going to be great. Oh my God. So what? God, my mom's getting older right now. I'm totally kidding, by the way. So heaven's going to just look... Alright, so, thousand years, then, okay, what we have on the earth now, by the way, the Bible says that during the millennial reign of Jesus, that if, some, if one of our normal human friends dies when they're a hundred, everybody's going to be like, he was so young. There will be people that will, normal human beings that will survive the entire thousand years. Wow. That's what the Bible says. So, I mean, it's... Because of the blessing and the power of God manifest on the planet and perfect medicine systems and, and you know, whatever else. Okay, I mean, so... It's going to be great. He's going to have a resurrected body, so he has nothing to worry about. He'll be like, bring on the gluten! 
Here we go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Give me some bread. <laughs> you can have whatever you want. It doesn't matter. It is called, you know, the the marriage feast of the lamb, which is going to last seven years. It's going to be beautiful. So much sick. I'm not going to look at one of them serving you and say, does that have gluten in it? <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Anyway, my son has, my son, I have two kids with serious food And my one son, like, if he'll look at and be like, are there peanuts in that? He's five. And he'll look at, he'll look at people and be like, is there peanuts in that? <laughs> They'll be like, no, and he'll be like, there might be. <laughs> I'm not going to eat it. Because he's like, nope. I know how you feel. He knows. I mean, he knows. It's just, he's, that's the way his life is. But anyway, I don't remember what I said. Okay, so a thousand years. What we have now is a culture that has been under the rulership and leadership of Jesus for a thousand years. The earth perfected over a thousand years. The, the culminate the beauty of what human civilization can look like under the direction and the authority of God. That's what it will be. But we will also have a generation on the earth that has never known anything else. And so God is going to release Satan from the pit. And he's going to stir anyone he can stir to come and attack Jesus. They will come and they will attack Jerusalem. He will stir up the nations. They will attack Jerusalem. Okay? Jesus will just flatten them. Do we get a fight then? As his army? I don't know. I, I, maybe. I don't know. There's not a whole lot of description of that particular battle. We just know that it's over. <laughs> it's over. Like it's the, I mean, they attack and they lose and that's it. Sorry, right, one second. Okay. So maybe, maybe we'll I be general. See that like be cool. Body yeah. Like, maybe in a heavenly body, we're just like you. Know, wow. Immortal people are going nowhere. Okay. You want to attack my Jesus? I don't think so. Sorry about you. Jesus would be like, excuse me, Sam. I could take care of this myself. Rip their heart out. I'm like, that's my Jesus. Like, look, it's still beating. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, this is awesome. <laughs> no, I I want to say he calls that fire from heaven and kills him. I don't think it's an actual battle, but I don't remember. It's not much of a battle. Why, the reason he lets them out is to give the choice. There's always, he always wants love that comes from a place of, of yes. Genuine. Yes. And on the earth is a civilization that has not really had that choice for a thousand years. They, just, they could have sinned, sure, but they haven't had real, the real ability to say no to the rulership of Jesus until this moment. Okay, and Satan will do that. Then, after that battle is over, the great white throne will be set up. And everyone that has ever lived and died and has not already been resurrected will be resurrected. Except for the Antichrist and the false prophet. They're still in the lake of fire and burning <laughs> forever. <laughs> everyone else who has ever lived and died, from Adam all the way to, the, to that day, that has lived and died will be resurrected. Out of the ground. And they will walk in front of the throne of Jesus and he will judge them based on their lives. 
So what will that judgment mean for Christians? We've already been judged and resurrected. Right. The Bible says that if you go through the first resurrection, the second resur the second death has no power over you. So we we will have already we've already kind of had this experience. That's what I'm saying. So what's that mean for us? So we will we will watch, and not only will we not only apparently not only humans will be judged, but also angels will be judged at this moment. And so we will kind of be like the jury. Wow. We'll be watching. Helping Jesus, cooperating with Jesus to judge the human beings and the angelic beings that will be brought before us in that day. And the one of those who will be judged will be Satan himself. The Bible records our response to him. We will look at him in his little shriveled up nature and we will say, Wait a minute! This is the guy? This guy right here? Are you kidding me right now? And then he will be put in the lake of fire. <laughs> Over. He will never be allowed out from that point forward. And the lake of fire will burn forever. At the end of that time of judgment, when everyone has been finally judged by Jesus himself, we will... God the Father will make his habitation on the earth. And the earth will be re both the earth and the heavens will be recreated into something completely new and completely different. The resurrection not just of see what Jesus kicked off with his resurrection was not just the resurrection of people, but the resurrection of the universe. Okay? Yeah. And that will take place at this time where literally the entire universe will be resurrected, made new. The Bible says he makes all things new and they are not kidding. All things. And the Bible says, thus shall we ever be with the Lord. Like from that point forward, it's just going to be immortal humans with Jesus and God the Father dwelling on the earth with us, and that will be how it goes. So what will be heaven? Then? Earth will be heaven. Oh, so he's bringing so heaven down. The New Jerusalem, right? Well, yeah, the, 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 big, like, the big like spaceship like New Jerusalem, like yeah, the, the gigantic cube that's, that's 1,400 miles tall. And fourteen hundred miles wide. It's a, it's one hundred forty four thousand yeah. stadia, which is yeah, fourteen hundred yeah, yeah. miles. It's a cube, fourteen hundred miles tall, fourteen hundred miles wide, fourteen hundred miles long, and it will be made of precious stones. And it, that's one third size of the moon, and it will be yeah, and it will and it will come and it will hover like, over the earth, and it will give light to the whole planet. <laughs> and we'll live there. <gasps> I know, man. stuff never talked about. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. We've not spent enough time if thinking you about issues this. issues being a Christian beforehand, just learn about the end of times. You're like, nah, yeah, that's, that's what we're headed for. That's, that's why the Apostle Paul says, encourage one another with these things. He, he's going, we have so much to look forward to. That's why the Apostle Paul says, you know, the sufferings of this present age really aren't worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in, 
And it's like, you can read that. And I think people are like, I think people think that they're just going to be sitting on a cloud playing a harp. You know, this is eternity. No, wrong. Not true. And riding the lion. Here's my, here's, okay. This is how we're going to stop. This is how we're going to end. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Dinosaurs, are they back? I don't know. They have to be. (laughs) They have to be. Make all things new. Why not? New dinosaurs. By the way, on the new earth, there will not be an ocean. There will probably be large bodies of water, but there won't be an ocean. I don't know. It's just what the Bible says. I didn't pick it. Let's just get to it. What are we? Okay, doing? so here's how I'm gonna end. I have this. This, this is something. I, this is honestly something I like to think about. Okay. Jeez. It will not be boring whatsoever. That existence of us and God and whatever forever. That will not be boring. Or we will just be exploring God forever, and it's going to be a blast. But, but, what if he says, "Let's do it again." Oh. <laughs> like, this is just the first chapter? <laughs> or maybe it's not. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's... Uh... Do you think we're in the first phase? Who knows? That's when you get to aliens. What is <laughs> Aliens? <laughs> I'm just saying, it's a big god. Don't put him in a box, Vicky. <laughs> I agree, completely, 100%. Matt, but think about it. Just for a minute. Now, please, please hear me. Please hear me. There is nothing really in Scripture about this. Okay? But Scripture is very selective about what it tells us. But there are little hints that there was stuff that happened prior to us that we have no idea about. Uh... You know? We know that Satan fell, but we have no idea what, how all that happened. We have, we have no insight into that whole thing. So just talk about There's the more history before us. That's, what, That's what I'm saying, is what if there is? And the Bible does tell us like we're not the first that we, we as human beings, okay, were created, and this whole drama of salvation that ends like that was to show Rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, we don't even know who those are. Okay? Was to show forth rulers and authorities in heavenly places the grace and mercy that was in the heart of God. That's what he wanted to do. And God's judgment against sin. Okay? We know that. What are we stepping to? The question is, the question is, what else is in the heart of God that needs to be shown? And how is he going to do it? I Whoa. get it. <laughs> and we have no idea because we can't... We don't know. We, have, we don't know. Stuff we don't know. We don't even know. That's what I'm trying to say is there's not... There's never going to be a time when we're going to be like, well, what are we going to do now? Never. We we will forever... God will, be, will forever be revealing new things about himself in completely new and creative ways that we never thought we could possibly see. And what if one of them is like a whole new civilization that he's going to go and like create, he's going to, there'll be another atom on some other planet or some other place, and we're going to be the angels of that story. Who knows? I don't know. I feel like we don't even tap into his That's what I'm saying. At all. What I'm trying to wake us up to is how big God is and how this, we literally have eternity together. 
So, <laughs> oh, oh, goosebumps what right you're there? trying to say is that we are a part of a story yes. that we're he is telling story. about himself. About sin, basically. Well, no, that that's our chapter is about sin. But that doesn't yeah. mean that all of But how many stories has he told? Well, yeah, how many chapters will there be for us? <laughs> and how many chapters will there be after us? We don't know, is what I'm trying to say. Because his time is... We just don't know. We don't know how... We don't know what God was up to prior to human civilization and, and, and you know... Th this story that we're in right now has only been happening for about 10,000 years. That's it. And this is our story. And that's just our story. Right. All, the Bible only tells one story, and that is the story of the fall of man, the redemption of man, and the resurrection of man unto forever life with God. That's the whole story that Bible that the Bible tells. What other what other it's all about us. That's what the Bible is about. The Bible is, has a very limited scope. Like there's tons about the ancient history of, of mankind. The Bible does not say anything about it at all. We, don't, we didn't even know the Aztecs, etc. existed. We didn't know about the Chinese civilization. We didn't know None of that's in Scripture. None of it. But it was all happening. Okay, but that doesn't mean the Bible doesn't was wrong about anything. It just means that God... Hey, look, I'm telling one story. I have to make editing choices. I can't be like, oh, and by the way, this one descendant of Adam went over here to China and started this whole thing. It'd be like a book that says on TV. He can't do that. We, I mean, he had a, a story to tell. And it was the story of God's covenant with mankind that will eventually engulf all of mankind again. It began with the whole of mankind, and then it zooms in on Abraham and his family. Okay, and then at the cross, it zoomed back out to the church, and at the end, it zooms back all the way out to the whole of mankind. So now we've got we've come full circle. But that's just mankind he's talking about. We don't even know what else is going to happen. So that, I feel like knowing all this stuff can allow us to like walk in more power because it's like, you were talking about how sin is dead and it's like, a lot of times we think, well, who are we and how can sin possibly, no, dude, God thinks we're pretty awesome yeah, and he made it, we were like a select few Yes. and what is anything compared to him? You know what I mean? What is, I mean, he, I don't know. I think I just had a, a brain like. That's what I want. I really want, and then, but see, the other part of this is, I, I want to open up your heads, okay, to see God as much bigger than the little story that we've heard our whole lives about Him, because things like aliens, okay, most pastors and Christians or whatever would be like, there can't be aliens because that just doesn't fit my grid. Well, there is nothing in the Bible that says they don't exist. Right. It's just not there. In fact, there's some stuff in the Bible that sounds a lot like aliens to me. Okay? I mean, we don't know what the Nephilim were. We don't even know what that was. Oh, oh my gosh, okay? that's a crazy conversation. I, I, just, I was reading, they found, do you know they found bones that were 36 feet long? I've heard of that, yeah. The biggest one ever? We don't even know. We don't know what that was. It's See, a four -story building. We don't know what's going on in heaven, in, in like the courts of heaven. We, we don't understand how that all works. We don't really know. The Bible multiple times talks about as the sons of God are brought before him and like they're presenting themselves. Well, who are all of those? Satan was one of them. Sons of God doesn't mean like Jesus, the son of God, because he's the only begotten son of God. But there are others that the Bible refers to as, quote-unquote, sons of God. The well, they are, they are beings that were personally created by him. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. Well, 
angel, we throw that term angel at anything celestial that we don't understand. Right. Okay. I, mean, I guess I'm at When we say angel, angel, we may be talking about a thousand species of of beings that God has created that are just nothing like us, and we just say, oh, angels. So it's like demons. animals. It's and just, exactly. There's, we say animals, and we think, it's like, because it, it, we say angel, and we just think like, you know, the Christmas play with the big wings, which there's only one kind of angel that we know of that has wings, and it's the seraphim. <laughs> the rest of them don't, are never depicted with wings, ever. I just picture like Ultra Jacked Michael and Gabriel for some reason. <laughs> exactly. I just picture them just like archangels of beast mode, you know what I mean? Like just... Got <laughs> <laughs> a big sword, they're not wearing a shirt, they're just like... I'm just being honest, that's what my, I picture them in. That's I, totally I think cool. of powerful, that's what I think of. That's totally cool. I, but I'm... Who knows? We have no idea. We just don't, we don't know, we hardly know anything about the angelic realms. We really, we don't. We, we, know, we know this much, because the Bible does not spend time talking about them. But we're going to. Oh, sure, that'll be what? Really good friends that are angels. I'm, okay. I'm sure of that. Cool question, then. Imagine what it's going to be like to meet your your guardian angel that's been hanging out with you your entire life. Like, the two angels that are standing next to you right now listening to everything we're saying. Right? I'm going Like, whenever I was going through like, a lot of stuff, my, my grandma's like, probably the most like awesome prayer warrior I've ever met. And she told me that she talked to my guardian angel. One of them. Really? And she told me that I had like, numerous ones. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I am alive. So... <laughs> I had that makes a, sense. I had a friend who is this this kid, and he got saved uh, back when I was the worship leader of the youth ministry here. I wasn't the youth pastor at the time; I was just like you know working, and uh, and um, and I was really kind of discipling him and mentoring him. And he came to me one day, and he goes, "I met one of your angels." I was like, well, "Excuse me?" He goes, "I'm serious, man. I'm serious. Last night I had this dream, and..." And we were at church, and this guy walks up to me in the dream and says, Do you see that man? And he pointed at you, and he said, You need to listen to everything that he tells you because he's a good man. I've known him since before he was born. He's a good man. And, and the guy was like, What? And he said, Just trust me. And he disappeared. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This was a dream. This, wasn't, this didn't happen in real life. It was a dream. That rocks. And and, uh, and he goes, it was one of your angels, man. I'm telling you, it was one of your angels. I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, and I've got that angel that pinches me every once in a while. I don't know what that's about. I, you know. So cool. Okay, so during the thousand-year millennial reign, okay, we're going to be here, the resurrected. We're going to be here, we're going to be resurrected. There's going to be humans. There's going to be Jesus. What about angels? They'll be here, too. Sweet. Fingers. Yeah, just hanging out. What's up, Gabriel? <laughs> well, we will we will actually be our our like our home will be in the um the that the fourteen hundred mile city thing, which won't as it won't have descended to the earth at this point. You know, I don't know if it'll be like orbiting the earth or someplace else, but we'll be able to move at the speed of thought, so it doesn't Look, matter. It's a, um, what about, like, it's a board that, cube. Anybody with me on that? <laughs> what about yeah. the people that are in heaven right now? They're actually in a place called Paradise, okay, which, is, which, is, the, which is not like the thing. throne room of God heaven. It's to, it's like a it's a holding tank for them. I mean, it's a great Paradise. place. It's totally awesome. For whatever place. reason, my grandma thinks that Abraham is like one of the uh, 
is like the watch theory of paradise. I don't know if I've that heard that from more than or one person. If I mean, that's, a lot of that's not scripture, scripture. but I've, right, heard, right. I've heard that from people that have had heavenly experiences. Where like literally, like I heard one guy that that he had a vision of heaven, and he stepped off. He actually got there in a train. It was like a train type thing, like, like that took him to the heavenly city. And when he got off the train, it was Abraham that was there, that's that was cool. like welcoming him like hey i'm so glad you came you're one of my kids too you know yeah well that's what he said was 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 i'm so glad that you had my faith how cool is that i'm like welcomes him in like to the city of my kids because that's literally what it is i mean we are we are the fulfillment of the prophecy that god gave to abraham that his children would be as numerous as the stars i mean the it's not just the Jews. It's literally all of us, whether we have Jewish heritage or actually that includes the Arabs as well because they're Ishmaelites, sons of daughters of Ishmael. But that includes all of us, so which is pretty great. It's like way after 1130. No so we do have Jewish background even if we've been grafted in. We've been grafted in. That's later on in Romans. We'll get there. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember that part. That's, that's pretty are, cool you, are you asking a question? No, I'm stretching. <laughs> are we going to watch this funny video? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, let's do it. Thank you. Thank you. That was <laughs> eye-opening. Now that we've learned about God, I was just like, what, else, what, what even matters at this point? Like, what are we even... I'm in one of those moments. It's like, okay, there's a lot of stuff that was important. Not anymore. Like, I'm so glad. Uh, what are we even doing? So I guess now, ministry makes a lot more sense. I don't think we're going to talk about that yet. Of course it does.